Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me today as we step into your name on a review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Your Name is the newest film from Makoto Shinkai. Uh, he is a prolific anime director uh, in Japan, coming out with previous well-received, well-reviewed films, such as Five Centimeters Per Second, The Garden of Words, uh, The Place Promised in Our Early Days, Children Who Chase Lost Voices, The Voices of a Distant Star, etc., etc., etc. He's... Made a lot of great films, and his recent one has came out just last year and did incredibly well um, commercially and critically. And I've finally gotten around to seeing it, and I will not bury the lead. It did. It was. It worked completely on me. I fell in love with this movie. I. Not gonna pull my punches. It is really, really good, and I think the best film of Shinkai's career. Now, I have not seen every single film that he's made. Uh, you know, I've seen half of his filmography to date, but I think this is this is a tough one to top. I currently have it ranked as my eleventh best film on the year, uh, with a ninety overall. And fourth best film, as far as animation goes, uh, behind Zootopia, Moana, and Kubo. And second best, as far as foreign language films go, behind Just the Handmaiden. It, and while that may not seem like a film, necessarily, that would be one that I love, it, cer- it certainly is. It is just... Here's the thing, you know, Shinkai has created a lot of movies that have such a great sort of uh, premise, a great atmosphere, and um, a great relationship with science fiction. Uh, you know, he, you know, the the um, Children Who Chase Lost Voices, Five Centimeters Per Second, The Place Promised in Our Early Days, you know, they, he's dealt with a lot of um, very high concept uh, worlds, you know, these, you know, these are very, these aren't worlds that take place in the reality that we know it as. And the only film of his that I've seen that does so is The Garden of Words, which is my second favorite film from Shinkai. You know, when he does devote time and energy to characters and fleshing out people and uh, giving them three dimensions, it, I think, shines through immensely. And your name, I think, finally merges and, and, and combines his ability to characterize people and give them real-looking depth and, and dimension to them with, uh, you know, his, his also equally as... Uh, skilled ability to, you know, focus in on some sort of 
alternate reality aspect of this world. You know, you've got, uh, you know, five centimeters per second where, uh, you know, you have this... I don't really... mm, I don't know really... (laughs) It's tough to explain. Uh, Let me see if I can find an easy way. Five centimeters. It's like it's time travel. And... I don't know, it's just, uh, let's, not, not to get off track, you know, I want to talk about your name, if I can. Um, so, I'm going to read the review that I put on Letterboxd. Uh, it's, it's relatively short, and it might say something, and it kind of repeats what I just said a little bit, but not completely. Um, so, it says, Every time I watch an amazing anime film, I tell myself to be more on top of them going forward, but every year, I find myself scrambling in January and February to catch up. Your name fits that bill exquisitely. The gorgeous landscapes and imagery, great voice acting, compelling story that transitions from one thing to the next with practiced ease from Shinkai. This is my fifth Shinkai film, and finally, I think he's crafted a film that matches on the surface and in the characters the same level of interest that he puts into his sci-fi backdrops. Uh, yeah. So, so the general premise of this film, you have two characters, a, a male and a female, who all of a sudden wake up in each other's bodies. And they don't know that they're in each other's bodies until you know they look down and realize that, oh, I have a penis all of a sudden, or oh, I have boobs all of a sudden. And then initially they feel that it's just a dream. You know, they, they go through the day of the other person experiencing their life, in a sort of remote and removed way. And then they wake up the next day as themselves. And it's as if it never happened. Except it isn't, because they start to sense and receive note from their friends, their family, that there are things that have happened to them that they don't remember, that aren't slotting into their minds correctly or appropriately. You, you know, you have the uh, female character who spent time as the male character. You know, they went out to eat. She ate a ton and ton and ton and ton of food because it's a dream. It's free. (laughs) Who cares how much money you spend in a dream? Only for the male character to return to his own body and find out that he is significantly uh, emptier in his pockets. Uh, You know, you... Like that, you know, so so from the from the get go, you have this really interesting premise of of kind of body swapping, and whether or not there's any reason for it, you know, you wonder, well, what what is what what can this do, right? So on the one hand, it gives these characters. Uh, the ability to uh, essentially experience life in the other sex's body, which is not an, not a small thing. I, I think that is a, cr- a great premise. I, I love that sort of experimentation. Uh, it is also 
uh, you know, a way to kind of connect to somebody on a very intimate and, and deep level because no one else will ever be able to occupy your body, presumably. And for someone to do so and to sort of live your life is kind of incredible. On the other hand, you essentially are reduced to, for me, and this is something I thought about watching the film, it's like, it's like you've been reduced to half a person. You know, you only, like, I don't know, the, the, the movie is somewhat unclear as to how often it happens, whether or not it's every other day. But let's say, let's say it is every other day. Then half of the time, you aren't yourself. You're her or you're him, if you're whatever. And the other half of the time, you're yourself. And as, in, as cool and interesting as that sort of seems to be, it's also endlessly frustrating because while you're not yourself, you can't really do the things that you would do. You have to, you know, eventually they realize what's going on. They start communicating with each other on their phones and writing it on their, writing things on their hands. And, you know, they set up rules and boundaries and guidelines for how to act and how to be the, each other. And so now you're just kind of playing a role. Now you're just playing a part. You're kind of forced and resigned to fit into this mold of this other person. And so you only get half of the time to be yourself. And meanwhile, the yourself that you are is being occupied by somebody else half the time. And as much as you want to control them to do exactly how, what you want, it's not entirely possible to do that and as the film goes through and and kind of takes the next next step with this you see that exactly happening as each one sort of pushes the boundaries can't completely fit inside the rules that they set for each other until you know like they're the guy is uh the the girl in the guy's body gets him a date with this co-worker of his and he, you know he was it's never really made clear whether or not he was initially interested in her to begin with you know clearly he's blushing in a lot of these scenes when he's in his own body but you know that's not necessarily an indication of a crush and you know she even comments at some point that she being the co-worker comments at some point that you know, she only really became interested to him when she, he became so much nicer and, and uh, cared more about her, which is because the girl was occupying his body. And that in and of itself is, is incredibly compelling. If that were the story, it would have already been worthwhile and, and uh, important to watch for that reason. But that's not the story. That is that is the the surface layer of this story, and as a surface layer as surface layers goes, it is very complex and, and uh, question posing, as it were. However, and that that's kind of plot wise where I'm going to leave it until I get to spoilers. However, that is just the tip of the iceberg, and I think that. A lesser director, a lesser creator, a lesser writer would have kept it at that premise. You know, it reminded me a lot of um, Kokoro Connect in a way, 
uh, an anime uh, series that ran, and it's not entirely this way, but it it, it dealt with very similar things, um, like some body swapping and and etc. You know, it's you know it, you know you could draw parallels to Freaky Friday, but that that's also very still very different, even on a surface level. Uh, you know, so it's it's playing around with a lot of different tropes and managing to come out fresh and new and exciting. And another big reason for this is, you know, all this time being devoted to these characters, you get to know these two people really well, uh, both through their interactions uh, with other people as themselves, reacting to the things that their bodies have done while they've been away, and to what they're doing as each other, as the other person, and how they're going about approaching this new dynamic, this new life, this new world that they're living in. Because, you know, they both live in Japan, but they both live very far away from each other. And, you know, you might think, well, why wouldn't they ever, like, try to meet up or exchange contact information or something, some such other thing? And that question does get answered, but it, it's, it's, uh, and that kind of convolutes the plot more, which is why I won't really bring up the answer, but, you know, it's, it's very compelling and one of the reasons I like this movie so much is because it fits that niche or that niche of you know what would I have done in this place that's that's I love movies like that like what would I have done in that circumstance and would I've made that decision would I be would I receive this this change this new lifestyle positively or negatively would I you know, constantly be worried about what this other person might find, or would I open up my life to them indefinitely? And I'm I'm not sure. You know, I think I think a lot of it depends on how I view this other person, and and what kind of a person I I think they are. And I think that's something that I don't think the movie ever gets to. It doesn't seem. <clears throat> And when it when it's touched upon, it's it's very briefly addressed, but I think that I wanted a little bit more of a sort of understanding between the two of them as to who each other was. You know, you get there are a couple of lines. Uh, you know, I think the girl, you know, the girl and the guy argue at one point over uh, the date that she gets him with his coworker, and how you know he's fine as far as relationships go and he doesn't need anybody he wasn't looking for anybody he's focusing on his job something along those lines and she just kind of rolls her eyes sort of at him but uh, it's it's interesting i i i don't know i don't i'm trying to word things without really giving anything away beyond what i've said so far and there's not there's not a lot left without going into spoilers. I let's see let's see. Um, outside of let me see their names are uh, uh, Taki and uh, Mitsua. Uh, <clears throat> outside of those two characters, you don't really get a sense of who anybody really is. You know, all the secondary characters are kind of set aside and and pushed away there's the the female co-worker of Taki's who is probably the third 
biggest character in the movie. Uh, and then there's a, a male friend of Taki's who, who accompanies him at one point. And that's about it. You know, the, the supporting cast is very small and very uh, un, 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 uneventful. You know, it's, it's all about these two characters. And generally, I love that, but I think generally... Uh, films that do that, you know, I'm looking at something like La La Land recently came out, and it is also very similar in that way, you know, it other than Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, there's really no main characters, it, it's just the two of them interacting, doing this, doing that, and the way that that film defeats that problem is one, by musicals, uh, musical numbers, two, by... Uh, really throwing their characters all over the place, you know, the the extended period of time before they've really gotten together, uh, the period of time where they're together, and then when things take a turn for the worse, and then, you know, the strained relationship that they have, and then the fallout, you know, like, the, the La La Land approaches that problem by throwing its characters through the gauntlet, essentially. And it does that in a more personal relationshipy type of way. Your name, on the other hand, does it in a much more sci-fi uh, plot kind of way. If that if that makes any sense, it it's less about the characters uh, causing friction between each other and more about the the story forcing them into situations where they are um, working against each other in a sense and I prefer this way I, I as much as I love and you know the before series from Richard Linklater are some of my absolute favorite films you know I think all of them are, are better than this they're better than La La Land uh, you know absolutely incredible films and they take the La La Land approach in which you know you have two characters who are just talking for an hour and a half um, and it's their conversation that causes the friction and, and the rising and falling action. And that works when you have one of the greatest like screenwriters of all time, in my opinion, uh, in, in Linklater. But, and, and you know, Damon Chazelle is a great, is a good screenwriter. And, and uh, you know, he's, his, it's not like it's, it's not like La La Land is poorly written but it is it pales in comparison to Linklater's before series. Your name is is very realistic, very authentically written. You know, Shinkai does a great job uh, writing the film and writing the dialogue. And you know, he's the only credited writer. And so, like, not only is he coming up with the the story and the surrounding events that are taking place. But he's creating all the dialogue that they exchange between each other. He's writing dialogue for a male character and a female character. He's writing dialogue that comes out of a male character's mouth, but is being said by a female character and vice versa. You know, he's got a lot of problems that he has to overcome and he does so with great aplomb and, and practiced ease almost, which is kind of shocking because He's never successfully merged those two sides of his his abilities, in my opinion, uh, to this point. And it's it's 
kind of magical in a way. It, it's really, really impressive. And I'm really glad I got to see this movie. I recommend that you go see it. It is a quite a long, well, I mean, it's an average length film. Uh, maybe a little long for anime standards at a little over an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, they're also, it also does a thing where like it'll have musical montages uh, throughout the film. You know, it has like kind of like in an anime TV show where it has an opening, it has an ending, there's a song in the middle, uh, things like that. And during the opening, I kind of felt like it was a little much. I thought it was probably going to be silly and and ruin the experience, but I, I absolutely enjoyed it. I thought it was perfect, particularly the second one, uh, which is kind of just a montage of the two of them experiencing life as each other. I loved it so much. I, I was really impressed. Uh, and a lot of the songs that they use throughout this movie, I, I don't know if they're original songs for this movie or, or have been sampled from some other source. Uh, they, they, would, they came really close to breaking into my original song nominations. Uh, they, they didn't, but uh, so close, really close. So, yeah, so I really recommend this film. I want, I, I know it's getting an American uh, release date, I think sometime in April. Presumably it will be dubbed by that point, which kind of sucks. I wish people wouldn't have to have something be dubbed to watch it because it's from another country, but that aside, if it does come out near you, if you have any interest in it at all, I really think you should go watch it. I, I do think that you should. So that's your name. Uh, I gave it a 90 out of 100. Uh, it's again 11, number 11 right now on my top list of 2016. And the best Makoto Shinkai film that I've seen. I will now be moving into spoilers. If you have seen the movie or don't care about learning about what happened, uh, please uh, feel free to keep listening. Otherwise... Uh, if, if that is not the case, then uh, have a week. So there's a lot more to this story than just body swapping. It seems that that's just the case for the majority for about the first half of the film. But then, all of a sudden, it stops happening. And you don't know why. And you slowly, slowly start to kind of piece together the narrative. And, you know, why they swapped in the first place. Why they couldn't really meet each other in person. and And how everything kind of becomes what it is and it's because there's this there's this meteor in the sky and it's you know it's sailing through the sky and they it, you know this is about halfway in the movie and they're both watching it they both see it and that was that's the last time that they swapped and you find out when so then, then we kind of just focus on the guy after that, and he 
is asking around, trying to figure out what happened. And they finally, he finally figures out, you know, he goes out to look for her and he finally figures out like what city she lives in, what town she lived in. You know, he'd drawn it uh, and was showing the picture to people. And they realized that the town uh, was hit by falling debris from this meteor. It broke apart and crashed into this town. It created a huge crater and destroyed the town. Killed hundreds of people, including Mitsuha. And it happened three years ago, which is, is, is crazy. You know, like it's, it completely turns on its head everything that you've seen already. You know, it's not that they're swapping bodies in the present. You know, she's three years behind him when it's happening. If he's in the present, you know, she's in the past. So he's traveling backwards in time when it happens. She's traveling forwards in time when it happens. And so the reason that it stops happening is because now she's dead insofar as their timeline and in, in how they're connected. Uh, you also find out that she did try to, to contact him. She, and she found him. She saw him on the subway. And uh, she, she wears a ribbon in her hair that she takes off and, and hands to him, which we see him wearing and I didn't put it together. I, I totally missed that point while watching the film until it was revealed to me. And uh, maybe maybe I shouldn't. Maybe maybe, it was, maybe it's much more obvious than I give it credit for. But I, I liked that. I thought that was a really good and, and well, a nice touch, I guess I would say. Then there's this. So, so then the story becomes, well... If she dies from this meteor, how can we go back to where we were? And how can we change that? And this takes things to a completely uh, new level again. You know, now we were, there was a scene where uh, Mitsuha and her grandmother, I believe, are, are kind of dealing with the past and communicating with people in the past and... Taki as Mitsuha was there and so he goes to this hidden location and and uses does this spell kind of thing to go back into her body and he does it it's successful and he's on the day of the meteor and all of a sudden you know he's doing everything he can to get everyone to realize that this is going to happen things are going to be bad everyone's going to get hurt and Mitsuha's dad, who's like the mayor of the town, is like, no, we're staying put. Nothing's going to happen. There's like a festival going on. And all of a sudden, the movie turns into this like action uh, suspense thriller type of movie where, you know, we know as the audience that this awful thing is about to happen. The character knows. And yet no one's going to believe him or her, depending. Uh, which is terrifying. It, it's It's actually terrifying i've seen this kind of tr thing play out in a dozen at least a dozen movies before you know one character knows about some impending disaster can get to the person with the most power at the given time can tell that person what's happening and is shot down because it makes no sense and it doesn't sound believable 
This is the most believable this situation has ever seemed. There is literally a meteor in the sky above their town. And while the idea that she would, that the mayor's daughter would know that it's going to break off and destroy the town is obviously, you know, ridiculous. The idea of that happening is completely realistic. I, I, you know, I, I couldn't tell you how many times it's ever happened in the history of our world, but I have to imagine at least once. And for, you know, given that it just, it seems, it's, it's so frustrating that the mayor completely ignores his daughter. You know, he, he doesn't listen to her. He doesn't do a damn thing. And, ah, it's, it's really, really, really sucks. It really does. You know, as, as the momentum builds, as the suspense uh, begins to strangle the film, you know, the time keeps approaching, night falls, there's this festival, you can see the meteor, it's up ahead, and, and she, you know, she has a friend going around telling everybody to leave, she has another friend on the, like, PA speaker system telling everybody to evacuate, a couple people start to, and then they get cut off, and the guy, the mayor tells them not to, and it's heartbreaking, uh, and, you know, it's, it's just, oh, it just, it doesn't get any easier watching it and knowing and so at this point Taki and Mitsuha care for each other in some capacity you you can't tell it doesn't necessarily need to be some sort of crush it doesn't need to be romantic feelings but you can tell that they are connected and they care for each other deeply you know that's kind of what living in someone else's body is going to do and they they meet on this on the top of the crater of this lake uh sort of you know they can't really meet at tangibly so, so to speak and sort of sort of it's a little confusing they they write each other's name down on each other's hands so that they'll always remember they you know she vows to stay to get out to save everybody to do what she can and she finds out um eventually she gets to this point where she's trying to escape she you know no one's listening to her she can't convince everybody else to to get to freedom to safety and she trips at one point and she looks at her hand she's like she's having trouble remembering Taki's name and she looks at her hand where he wrote or he supposedly wrote his name but instead it says, I love you. And it's che- It's corny. It's cheesy. I agree. But it's, it's tough. You know, you know, like if he doesn't write it, if he writes his name and she doesn't make it, 
she won't know. I mean, he could have just told her. Yeah, obviously, like a lot of different scenarios could happen. He could have just told her, but but he he might not even be sure of it. I who knows, you know exactly how he feels. He just has these emotions, and you know if you know, I guess maybe the idea is like, well, why would he forget? You know, there hasn't been any signs as of yet in the movie at that point that point toward either of them forgetting the other person's name. And, you know, there's a scene a little bit later as as Taki's looking through his phone and, you know, he's he's frustrated that everything's not changing, that things aren't working out exactly how he wanted them to. And he's looking through all the memos on his phone and they're disappearing in front of his eyes. Everything that, like, Mitsuha would leave him messages on his phone about what happened that day and they're all being erased. Like they never happened. And there's this aching sense of despair that kind of seeps into the movie. And it's it's depressing. It's very sad. It's really, really painful. You know, they they say in the movie, um, how does she phrase it? I think that time is like a knot, like a like a knot in a rope, and it doesn't just travel in one direction. It it doesn't always, you know, go from cause to effect and back again. They can instantaneously collapse upon each other. Everything kind of wraps around itself and leads into each other. It's the snake eating its tail type of metaphor. It's uh, it's it's drawing a line on a piece of paper and folding that piece of paper until the ends touch each other. And so watching them forget each other and, and lose this memories, all these personal, deep, important memories that they've had of each other is heart-wrenching. It's, it's really painful. And, uh, and then the movie, you find out that a lot less people died than, initial, than initially when it happened. And... The, the, the meteor still broke, you know, the town still got destroyed, but a lot of people were able to be saved. And then we skip ahead a few years. And you see Taki with the, uh, the female co-worker of his. And, it, you know, she kind of voices the sort of opinion that you've had always that you the viewer have in that they weren't really right for each other they they kind of missed their marks with each other in a way and you got that sense when they were together you know they were cute but but it didn't fit perfectly they weren't totally cohesive 
and you know that's fine they seem to be good friends i think that's great i'm i'm glad they were able to find friendship with each other but there's you know he has this sense that something's missing and there's this moment that he has on the subway on the train he looks out the window and in another train on the other track through that window is a girl that looks like Mitsuha. And then the trains leave. They both get out the next stop. They're running through the city. They're going up and down streets until finally they see each other. And they have this rec- look of recognition. And I think this is this is so beautiful. This this final scene is is so perfect. They see each other, she at the top of a hill, he at the bottom. And then all of a sudden, it's like they forget. And and, and like in an instant, they it's like they don't remember it ever at, at, at all. They don't remember any of the things. And so they he goes up this up the hill, she goes down the hill, and they pass each other. They don't say a word until he reaches the top of the hill and he turns around and she's still going down the hill and he, and he says, uh, you, he says something along the lines of, you know, I know you from somewhere. You seem familiar. Do you want to go talk? Or do you want to go to the cafe? Or I think he says, you want to go to the cafe? And like she, her eyes are kind of tearing up and she says, I thought so too. I would love to do that. And I, I think that's so perfect. I, I think a lot of movies that, that, that use this sort of event, this circumstance, this scenario, have the couple, have the people leap into each other's arms. They embrace, they kiss, they mash their bodies against each other. And this movie plays it so tame in that respect because they don't remember it's a it's a feeling it's a it's a wisp of a memory somewhere in the back recesses of their minds it's nothing that they can tangibly hold on to and that's oh man it's it's a tough one it it really is tough and it's so brilliant And I, I love it. I think it's great. I think it's a great film. I really... I really wish that it would be recognized by the Academy during the Oscar season. I, I kind of suspect that it won't, but I, I wish it did. Mmm. Uh... Mmm. 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 You know, it, you know, it does. It's a ninety. It's not a hundred. Uh, you know, I think the the magical elements of it, some of the plot elements, aren't fully explained. But I really would prefer to not say anything bad about this movie, because I do think it's truly moving and and personable. Um. Yeah. Uh, man. I I felt. 
very similarly about uh, wolf children. Uh, I think that was 2002. And, and Wolf Children is a, yeah, much, a much different film in, in terms of story, in terms of plot, in terms of uh, presentation. But in terms of character, I, I think it, it, does, it does something similar. It, it, it approaches these things like um, these characters as though you don't know uh, exactly who... Uh, exactly who you're you're watching you know you you're never really you know you know depending on how much you value memory as part of who you are and i i think it's a great deal uh, a very big part of it the the loss of memory is one that changes you for better or for worse it changes you and and you could even say removes part of who you are from yourself and I think that's scary I think that's really really scary and it's even it's tenfold in in your name it's it's much much less extent uh, extensive in wolf children but it's it's definitely a huge presence in your name every because not only is he losing his memories he's losing the memories that he has being her and he's losing the memories of her being him that he wasn't there for but that he remembers her doing and now he doesn't know what she did you know half of his life roughly from from during this period of time where they were body swapping is gone he doesn't know what any of it was he can't remember it at all and that's man i you know it's it's emotional i i think it's it's a beautiful film i think it's incredibly well written i love the dialogue every exchange every word that's passed back and forth you know, uh, Mitsuwa's little sister is great. You know, every time Taki wakes up in Mitsuwa's body, and this is somewhat childish and, and silly, but, you know, he's con- she constantly walks into the bedroom and finds um, Mitsuwa's body, Maki controlling it, Maki inside of it, fondling her breasts. And uh, as juvenile as that is, you know, you even you know so many times after ha- having this happen you know it's the novelty of it for him and you know <laughs> his sister's reaction is like perfect every time i love it so much and yeah i, I there's not enough like great good things i can say about it and you know i've and you know i feel very strongly about this film and considering that there are 10 films that came out this year that I think are better than it should kind of give you an idea of just just how much I care about all of these movies, really, you know. I don't think I, you know, there's some here definitely that I haven't uh, quite quite spoken of to this sta- same, in the same extensive way, uh, you know, particularly, the particularly, 
um, Don't Think Twice, uh, and Ten Cloverfield Lane, which I saw, and Kubo and the Two Strings, which I, I saw before I started doing the podcast. And uh, so it was kind of tough. I didn't want to do episodes devoted to them. I, I've tried to mention them and, and bring up aspects of them as much as I could when I could, but that's not not the easiest thing. So that was your name, uh, the Japanese anime film from Makoto Shinkai, uh, my 11th best film currently from 2016, rated a 90 out of 100, uh, and uh, just another really powerful anime film. And there are so many of them out there uh, from, you know, Miyazaki's movies, a lot of Miyazaki films, to even some lesser known ones. You know, like I said, there's, you know, this year you have your name. Um, let's see. You know, there wasn't really, I don't, like last year's got, you know, Miss Hokusai, which was, which is good. I, I don't think it's quite as doesn't really reach the same level as as wolf children or but you've got uh when marnie was there i i don't remember if that was is that miyazaki's last film i'm not sure um 2013 the tale of the princess kaguya uh, also shinkai's garden of words came out that year um i guess i could just sort by genre couldn't I animated foreign grave of the fireflies is much older uh, you've got uh, Ernest and Celestine which is French I, I would recommend the um, I, I would recommend the the subbed version not the dubbed version i haven't seen the dubbed version of ernest and celestine yet uh there's a cat in paris there's a monster in paris colorful a town called panic which was part of my scavenger hunt recently is great mind game um, akira the end of evangelion You know, Belladonna of Sadness. Uh, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of really good ones. And so I... I, I don't know. I, I think... I, I definitely have a lot of anime films I'd like to re watch again and, and visit for the first time more so. And... Uh, yeah, it's definitely another blind spot, you know. Given even all the films I've seen in my life, this is still a significant blind. There's still many blind spots, a lot of films left to be seen, and I'm trying to get to as many as I can. Thank you for listening. Uh, I feel like I kind of droned on a bit for a while there. I apologize. Thank you if you stuck it out with me. I appreciate each and every one of you that listens. And if you, again, if you have any interest in contacting me, looking at the old past episodes, or just checking out the website, you can go to circleoffilm.com to find any and all information that you might possibly want. 
Man. And, uh, yeah. So, I believe the next episode is going to be a the third genre-based episode uh, for 2016. Uh, so, look forward to that in the next day or so. And, as always, and again, if, if I guess, if you're, since you're still listening, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same tonight. Come on, babe, while we paint the town. And all that jazz. So long, farewell, I'll be the same as you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.